I want to start by reading for you a sentence which opens a book. And I, I think, in my personal opinion, this is the strongest opening to a book that I've ever personally read. It's a little book uh, called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor and a theologian. And this is how he opens his book. You'll see why I think it's so strong. He says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's a sentence that doesn't leave you kind of being like, oh, that's nice, or that's warm, that's fuzzy. No, it's a a knockout blow right at the start to say, hey, this is the most important thing about us. It, It doesn't give us wiggle room. We have to kind of wrestle with a statement like that and say, wait a sec, is that true? Is what I think about God the most important thing about me? And rather than me trying to answer that question for you here right at the outset of our time together, my hope is that in the coming weeks that you'll be able to answer that for yourselves. We are setting out on a 12-week journey today, and I'm hoping that this will be helpful and a rewarding journey for all of us. We're going to be looking at the attributes or the characteristics of God, who He is, how, how He works, what He is like. And we've called this series, God Is. Each week it'll be God Is and then some different attribute. This week in particular is God Is Knowable, and this is an introduction of sorts. Hopefully it'll set the tone for the coming weeks and and lead us into the weeks that we're about to have. Now, I want to just be quick to acknowledge with you that when we say, hey, we're going to look at the attributes of God, that's a little bit like saying we're going to study the countries of the world and then only looking at a handful of them. Because all that we can do in 12 weeks is really scratching the surface. I mean, really. All that God is, is much more than we can cover in 12 weeks. And so my hope is that today really would be an inspiration in your journey, whether this is a starting point to knowing God or a continuation, that really what we do in this series would inspire you to know and to love God more, to journey further in your knowledge of Him. Before we go too too much further, another thing that we need to clarify is when we say God, that term God, what are we talking about? Are we talking about just some sort of mystical deity that is up in the sky? Are we talking about the God that has covered the gods of many different religions? Well, actually, when I say God, or when Tozer speaks to God, as he did in his opening statement, saying, you know, what we think about him is the most important thing about us, we're talking about the God that the ancient Jews used to worship and call, or still worship, and call Yahweh. We're talking about the God of the Bible. We're talking about the God that Christians believe in and celebrate the God who sent His Son, Jesus. We just had Easter where we celebrated this Jesus who came and died for the sins of the world so that God and humanity could be reconciled. We're talking about the God who created every inch of time and space. Now, just think about what I said there, every inch. We're talking about the God who is currently running and sustaining the entire universe. I hope that as you hear me saying these statements, 
you'll realize the size and immensity of this God and the size and the immensity of the task in front of us as we look at him. Some of you, as you're sitting there hearing me say these statements, you may be like, well, I don't know if I entirely agree with some of the things you just communicated there about this God. Well, if that's you, this is the perfect time for you to be with us because as we talk about this God that Christians believe in or the Bible teaches about, what better time to learn who God is? If you are a believer in this God that I'm talking about, my hope is that this series would help you get out of any familiarity or too, uh, I guess what I'm saying here, an apathy that may come from knowing this God. I think some of us become too familiar with God, and, and my hope is that this series would shake us out of that into a new sense of awe and wonder at who God is. The incredible fact that we could easily gloss over here at the very beginning of this time is the fact that God is knowable. Now, for that to happen, there has to be two important things. One is that we have to have the capacity. God had to create us with a capacity to know Him. And secondly, God had to reveal things about Himself. How has God revealed Himself? Yasmin touched in some of these things in the kids' spot. Thank you, Yasmin. I want to just touch on four ways that God has revealed himself. There are definitely more outside of these, but four major ways that he reveals himself. One is that God reveals himself in his creation. Psalm 19, if we were to turn there, which we won't, but Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of the God, of God, the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We live in the northeast of Scotland. All around us, we see the beauty of God all the time. Maybe you're not aware of that. Maybe you've lived here too long. I hope that's not the case. But all around us, we see God in creation. Now, if you want a, a, a more pointed scripture that talks about how we see God in creation, go to Romans 1. In verse 19 and 20, it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, as in us humans, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they, so we, I'll paraphrase, are without excuse." God reveals himself in nature. God also reveals himself in his word. If we were to turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. The scriptures, God's word, is not just a book of some ancient people's opinions or their ancient tales, their, their stories. No, this is God-breathed. It is inspired. It is a revelation to us and a precious resource to anyone who desires to know God. And so we'll be using this a lot throughout this series. Thirdly, God reveals himself in a major way to us through his Son. In John 14... 
which, by the way, this is a scene where Jesus is at the Last Supper table with his disciples. And he's sitting there with these disciples, with these people that he spent the last three years of doing life and ministry with. It's been an intense three years. And there's this funny little bit in John 14, verse 8, where Philip, one of the disciples, says to him, Lord, show us the Father. What he's saying there is, Jesus, show us God. And, and he goes on and says, that is enough for us. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still, still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. When we see Jesus, we are seeing God. And we'll talk some more about this in a few moments. Fourthly, God reveals himself to us through his spirit. Further on in that same conversation at that last supper table in John 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. God reveals truths about himself to us through his Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is essential for us un to understand God. The Holy Spirit is also called the advocate or the counselor. What does he advocate for? What does he counsel us towards? It's to know God. He points us towards God. No one can come to God except by the Spirit being at work. So even if you're somebody who has questions about God, or if you think back to when you first came to know God, you need to recognize that the Holy Spirit was at work in that moment. Even right now, we need the Spirit to be at work. As we explore who God is, we need him to be at work, to give us understanding as we open his word. The word and the spirit work together as we open our hearts. And so I'm going to invite you, I've, I've referenced a whole bunch of scriptures there quickly now. Let's, let's find ourselves in one particular scripture. And I'm going to invite you to, to go to the one that we've already read from Jeremiah chapter 9. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to read along with me. Jeremiah chapter 9. And verse 23 is where we're turning to. Jeremiah 9. It says this in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I believe this passage backs Toza's claim that I read to you at the very beginning, that our thoughts about God are the most important thing about us, if you look through this passage, what you see is it lists out at the first part all the things that people think are most important in life. Some people think that the most important thing in life is wisdom, being wise, making good decisions, that that's what life is about. But the scripture says, no, 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 don't boast in that. It then goes on and talks about might, or some translations say strength. And many of us attempted to think that life is about our strength, our power, our health, our well-being. But again, the scripture says, no, 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 don't boast in that. Some of us 
are tempted to think that life is all about riches, what we can accumulate, what we can amass, our, our fortune. And again, it says, no, it's not about that. It's not about being healthy, wealthy, or wise. It says, instead of boasting in those things, there is something we should boast in, and that is God. But it doesn't just say God. Look at verse 24 with me again. It says this, but let him who boasts, boast in what? that he understands and knows me. I'm glad both of these terms are here because they're very helpful for us. Think about understanding. If you, if you dig into this word understanding, it's speaking about comprehension, about intelligence, the use of our mind, our heads. If you look at the second word, it, knowing, it's speaking of relationship. It's speaking of familiarity. It's talking about being acquainted. It's talking about our hearts, a connection. There is a danger in this series, and even today, that as we look at God and knowing God better, that it would be all about our heads. It would be all about puffing our heads up with knowledge. We must remember throughout our time to engage our hearts. Many of you, I'm sure, have seen marriages that are marriages, they're people who are still together, and yet that marriage is devoid of love. If you've seen a marriage like that, you'll know that that marriage is dry and dysfunctional. And I would put it to you that if our relationship with God becomes about our knowledge and it's devoid of love, that that too will become dry and dysfunctional. This study must be about more than just knowledge. It needs to grow our love. So we've started here and we've just made a statement that is basically said that it's important for us to understand and to know God. Now, having said that, I'm now going to say something that's going to sound somewhat contradictory, okay? And here's just the warning. Over the next 12 weeks, this is going to happen time and time again. As we look at God, there are things about God that to us seem somewhat contradictory. For example, when we talk about the fact that God is one and yet he is three in one, you want to be like, okay, which one is it? Is he one or is he three in one? Like, you know, the the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Or we talk about um, life and, and the sovereignty of God. And we're going to talk about, at times, you know, how, how we're responsible and how we make choices. And yet at other times, we'll talk about the fact that God, you know, He, he elects. And, and there's this tension there, and we're like, okay, which, which one is it? And we see that right here. We've just made this statement to say, yes, that God, we need to know Him. We need to understand Him. And yet this next statement is true, and that is that God is not fully understandable. God wants us to comprehend that He is beyond our full comprehension. I remember a particular time in my life a few years ago where I was really, I guess, awakened to this thought that I could know God. And it was really going around my head a lot and and that I could know him and that this was the most important pursuit in my life. But I remember in that time, God making me aware of a way that he's wired me and created me. I'm the type of person who likes to not figure, not 
not practically, but figuratively, put things in boxes. I like to say, okay, well, this is what this is like. And I like to clarify things. Okay, this is what this person likes, and, and this is how they operate. This is how this thing works. This is how these things are. That's just how I like to work. And what I felt like God was teaching me in that moment of my life is no matter how big a box I constructed, God would not neatly fit inside any of those boxes. He is an unboxable God. Just as one of the characters in the Narnia series, written by C.S. Lewis, describes Aslan as not a tame lion, God is not a tame God. He will not neatly fit into our boxes. There's a scripture that I think really captures this that I'm going to ask you to turn to. It's just back a few pages in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. It's literally just a few pages back. Isaiah 55. I'll start in verse 6, and then I'll jump down to verse 8, but I'll just get your, give you a second to turn there. Isaiah 55. It says this, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Okay, so this is saying a lot of what we've already just said. We should seek God. We should look to him. We should try and pursue him. That's a good thing. But skip down just to verse 8 and listen to what it then says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your Sorry, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What God is reminding us of here is his beyondness, his infiniteness. That's not a word, by the way. Infinitude is the right word. We are finite and God is infinite. Our thoughts and ways are limited. His thoughts and ways are unlimited. A.W. Tozer, the author that I read to you from at the beginning, in a different book, uses an illustration that I think is helpful here. He says that God is a little bit to us like the moon is. If you think about the moon, we've got the earth and the moon rotates around it and we always see the same face of the moon. There's a whole part of the moon that we never see. Part of it's revealed, part of it is not revealed. And we need to be okay with the fact that God we see in part, but not in, all, in whole. He is beyond our full comprehension. And that should lead us to, to wonder, to worship. It's a good thing for us. In fact, this thought that God is, yes, comprehensible and yet beyond our comprehension leads us to another important thought that we need to recognize about God, and that is that we share some of God's attributes and yet other of his attributes we don't share. There's a fancy word here, and there are going to be fancy words that we come across throughout this series. And again, don't get put off by these things. When we say a theological term, often those terms are really good because they capture in them a whole bunch of rich and, and, and beautiful thought in one word. The word here is communicable, okay? And again, don't get thrown off by it. It means what we have in common. 
There are some communicable attributes of God. We're going to talk about certain things in this series that are attributes that we share with God, and yet there's other attributes that we don't share. I'll give you a couple of examples. One of God's attributes is that God is eternal. He has no end, but He also has no beginning. This is a non-communicable, a non-shared attribute. And what I mean by that is we know when we were born. We don't, we're not eternal. We have a beginning. Another attribute of God is that God is love. That is a communicable attribute. God has given us, He created us with the capacity to receive and to give love. And so there are certain things we're going to find in common, and yet there's certain things that we're going to be like, wow, that's very other, very different from us. The Bible teaches us that we humans are unique and special amongst God's creation because we do share some attributes, because we are created in God's image. There's a scripture that really points us to this, and I won't ask you to turn there, but Genesis 1, 27, right in the very first chapter of the Bible, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Because we are created in God's image, or another way of putting this, because we are image bearers, we share some of God's attributes. And this means that the better that we understand God, in fact, the better we understand ourselves. But I don't want that to be the goal for you in this series. And, and I guess this is a little bit of a warning of sorts to say our culture, even inside the West and, and even inside the church in the West, is already too me-centered. The goal of our series is not to understand God better so that we better understand ourselves. That is a benefit. But the goal here is that we would understand God, that our thoughts would be centered on Him more, and that we would all venture into deeper awe, wonder, and worship than we have previously known. There is another warning that I would put to you. And that is that at points in this journey, we may feel overwhelmed. I think one way of picturing this, perhaps, for you is to tell you a short story of a time where I was in Mexico and I had a very short window of time where I was allowed to get out from the work we were doing and to go snorkeling. And I remember in this moment, I went from the beach and I swam out to where I was told a good place to snorkel was, where there was some rocks and, and some scenery, apparently. And so I, I put on my goggles and I put on my snorkel in that moment as I'd swum out. And I remember putting my head under the water. And it was like in that moment, this explosion of beauty. There was all these vibrant colors and these beautiful fish swimming. And I remember being content to kind of paddle around on the surface with my snorkel, breathing. And then I started to venture deeper. I, 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 I would dive down to where I was amongst the fish. And, and there was like clay, caves and, and just beautiful plant life under the water there. But what I began to notice is the deeper that I dove, the more the pressure was building up in my head. Like you, I could feel the pressure moving in on my head till eventually I had to find a, a place to rest. Rest. I had to go back to somewhere solid. I went back to the beach. 
And what I put to you here is that in some ways, this pictures our exploration of who God is. At times, as we're exploring his beauty and going deeper into who, he's, who he is, our heads will hurt and we'll need to find a solid place to rest. And I would put to you that the solid place for us to find is, in fact, Jesus. If you feel overwhelmed at any moment, maybe as we talk about things like the fact that God is three persons in one, I know I already mentioned that, but that is something that hurts my head. As we feel overwhelmed about thoughts like God is all-powerful and yet there's still pain and suffering in the world, there's going to be these moments. And as we find those moments, we need to look to Jesus because Jesus is an anchor an anchor who points us faithfully back to God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And so what that means is that Jesus shows us God. I know I've already said this, but this is so important for us to know. Jesus shows us God in a way that we find somewhat understandable. Not only that, he is also the mediator between God and men. We cannot approach God without Jesus. If you were to go back to that scene, that last supper where Jesus was there with his disciples in John chapter 14, in verse 6 there's something that's so powerful that Jesus shares. We often reference this scripture because it's so concise and clear. It says this, Jesus said to his disciples in that moment, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We cannot come to God except through Jesus. We absolutely need Jesus. Jesus sacrificed so that we could come to the Father. It's what we just celebrated with, with Easter. So before we go any further, the crucial question for us to ask is, do we know Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Do we recognize that he is the one who gives us access? He is the gateway to knowing God. If we want to venture into the beautiful waters of who God is, we must first know Jesus. And so the invitation is here for all of us. I'm not going to assume that we all know this Jesus. If you have questions about Jesus, I'd love to talk to you about who he is. Come and find me after the service. Let's, let's talk about that. I hope that for all of us, as we've started this review and, and started to think about knowing God, that your heart is feeling stirred to think and to feel more about God, that in some ways today has really been an increasing of your appetite. Like a hungry person looking at images of food, their appetite increases. I hope that today in some ways is, is making you excited about the journey that lies in front of us. Are you desiring to know God more, to know his beauty, to know his power, to know his perfection? If, as Toza said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us, my prayer is that our thoughts about him and our love for him would grow today and in the coming weeks. 
May knowing him be our highest pursuit. May it be our pursuit and our desire more than wisdom, as we talked about earlier, more than strength, health and well-being. May it be more than fortune. Will you join in this pursuit to know and to love God? It's an open invitation here. And that invitation isn't just for the coming weeks, it's for right now. I want to encourage you as we close out our service here in a few moments, that you would even find a space to whisper a prayer to God. A prayer that would sound something like this, where you would say, God, I I want to know you more, please. God, may knowing you be more important than any other pursuit. I want to leave you with one last scripture today. And this scripture is actually the last recorded words that we have of one of Jesus' closest friends, a guy named Peter, one of the 12 apostles. And the last recorded words we have of Peter is an encouragement to know God through Jesus. And so I'll just close by reading these words to us, I guess kind of as a benediction or as a prayer to close this first message that we've had in this series. It says this in 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you that you have given us both a capacity and the revelation that we need to know you. God, we want to be quick to acknowledge that we we want to know you. We want to be quick to also acknowledge that we can only know you in part, that you are far beyond our full comprehension, and and that that isn't something that overly intimidates us. It actually creates awe and wonder in our hearts. God, I pray that in the coming days, and even today, that each of us would grow in our love for you. I pray that in the coming weeks, that our knowledge of you wouldn't just increase, but that our love for you would also increase. God, may knowing you be the highest pursuit in each of our lives. I pray that for myself. I pray that for each of these friends sitting in this room today. May we know you. May we love you. And may we grow in these things, God. Thank you for the time together. Amen.